right here every day. Woody's Roundup. Come on, it's time to play. There's a snake in my boot. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Instagram at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash Madness. Kyle, uh, we're back. We we took a week off, uh, like a, like an actual week off this time uh, between episodes here, and uh, we're back talking about talking about some Pixar. Yeah, it's interesting that we actually had time to sit on part one. We technically, or we quite often record both episodes back to back and and give ourselves some time to edit. But schedules are crazy. Chris is mm-hmm. in baseball. Uh, we've our our guest host is on the East Coast compared to us on the West Coast. There are, there are conflicting schedules, and here we are on the rare midweek morning recording uh, to figure out who the best Pixar hero is. And joining us yet again is returning guest host Chels. Chels, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me and working with my East Coast timing. <laughs> hey, you're working with our West Coast timing. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> well, it seems to work out better for me in this case anyways, a little bit later in the morning. Than <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's a-okay. Uh, last time we talked a little bit about your fandom around Dreamlight Valley, and some of our listeners know that Chris plays that game as well as we did an entire Patreon episode about it, but you're you're in it. You've got an an Instagram account dedicated to it. And I kind of want to hear not only your experience, but what has led you to just love this game so much. And maybe give a little bit of a a high-level overview of what Dreamlight Valley is for the listeners. Sure. Well, so I started... My Instagram is Disney Chick, at Disney Chick. And I started it like quite a few years ago. And it's been one of those things where I've kind of like hopped on and then gotten really into it and then gotten off of it. So now I'm kind of I'm back into it again, and I'm just uh, trying to kind of bring more of that Disney magic um, every single day, um, especially living in Canada. It's kind of hard to to get to the parks constantly. So um, and then it was almost perfect timing because um, with Dreamlight Valley coming out, um, it's provided me so much content. So essentially, it's a cozy game. Um, <laughs> I play on my uh, Nintendo Switch. I'm also like the the gaming my gaming experience has truly lived in just lego games um okay. so i'm not, not like no. a gamer by you know by trade or anything like that so i apologize to all of those avid <laughs> gamers out there if i'm using the wrong terminology and all that but um yeah so like my experience has always been like started with lego batman and then have played all the lego games um but so anyways yeah so i play on nintendo switch and this game is Really, um, what I really love about it is that, first of all, like when I, I, it came out, I think in September and I only ended up getting it in for, I got it for Christmas and, um, and a lot of it, the reason I kind of held off is because when I was looking at all of the different ads and stuff, it was really about, um, it's kind of like walk, like you go around, it's a cozy game. You walk around and you, uh, pick up sticks and you pick things up. And I was like, (laughs) how could 
how could that be fun? Like, how could that be enjoyable? And then just kidding, I will waste several hours just cycling around in the valley, picking up all of the different materials and storing them and keeping everything organized. And my OCD really loves that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but then they, you have these different quests that you go on with each character. So each character has its has their own little like tasks that you get to do. And, um, and then they all kind of interrelate with each other as well. Um, the characters, uh, there's a lot of Pixar characters in Ooh. this game, uh, which was more than I was anticipating just because typically you, you end up seeing like the, the very traditional like um, princesses and stuff, whereas, uh, whereas there's only a few princesses so far. So I'm really hoping uh, that we see some more. But based off of the items, because um, a lot of the items that you can fill your your house with and and design your village with um, are all themed to the players. So like there's some tangled stuff. There's some um, Princess Tiana stuff. So I'm hoping we're, we're going to start seeing those characters come soon. But um, the, the thing that's really drawn, drawn me to the game is just the ability to kind of create this Disney world and mm. have that like, it, it's almost like I play it as if I'm playing Sims 4, where it's like all about builds and like building your 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 valleys i give every character their own little uh their own little property renovation as i call it <laughs> and uh <laughs> and like using all the different theme stuff and like i've created a spa area and i've created like a theme park now with the newest update they have provided a um a star path which essentially is um you get you go through all these different tasks in order to collect special items uh, for that star path. So they have a bunch of, they've come out with rides. So they have like a Ferris Sweet. wheel and the, and the, the Dumbo ride and the spinning teacups. Um, so yeah, so that's been my favorite part. Also, they have a selfie feature where you get to like in the game, your character, your avatar can take a selfie. <laughs> um, and it's been like my absolute favorite feature ever. <laughs> I'm constantly taking selfies and then you can send them to your phone via QR code. Um, so then that's kind of where all of my content is coming from. And then also just screenshotting everything. And I'm now, because I only have a Nintendo switch light, so I can't mm. stream and I can't like hook it up and record the screen, um, that I'm now like, I have a tripod and I'm like trying to film my screen and like get the perfect <laughs> like setup so that you don't get the, the like interweaves of the, the, the screen involved and whatever. So like, I'm, it's yeah and it's like i don't even know if anyone cares about this stuff but i'm like look at me and look at my village <laughs> sounds a lot like our podcast we hey, don't know if anybody cares yeah. about this stuff but here we are waking up to do it uh Chels, uh tagged me in a in a comment last week about uh the update that looked like there was maybe going to be pin trading added to the game and i was <laughs> and i was basically like well wake me up when we can like trade each other yeah, uh, yeah I know. like that's really that's really what i'm waiting for is the is the player to player stuff for sure not yeah. yet but uh but we hope it's coming um let's uh I, I know it's early out here but uh let's get into a, a spoonful of sugar i mean we need some some type of liquid accompaniment to this episode and Kyle, what do you got? Yeah, as I said, it's a midweek recording for us. So I've got work here in a bit, so I can't get too crazy. I, I'm sticking with my coffee. I've got my uh, typical morning coffee here in my little Alice in Wonderland mug. And then I've got water because I need to hydrate before I forget to drink water for the rest of the day. So I'm going to be sipping on my hydro flask as we go through these Pixar heroes uh, and trying to caffeinate so I have the energy to get through my work day. Chris, what do you got? <laughs> 
Um, I I have a, a little. I popped a little lemon lime noon into a mm. into a water bottle. Uh, so that's what I'm working on. I also like. I'm coming off of working live and in person uh, for like four of the last five weeks. So I have a, <laughs> I, I have been doing a very bad job staying hydrated. So, uh, that's one of my goals for this work from home week that I have coming up. But, um, last week we were talking about my visit to three dots in a dash in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and I revealed, uh, you know, the first, I got two cocktails revealed the first one, uh, last episode, it was the vibe patrol. It was a tequila based <laughs> drink. And, and I want to tell you about my other cocktail that I got there, uh, because it was one of the best cocktails I've ever had in my Whoa. life. Uh, and when you go into a tiki place, like what, what, what do you, what do you imagine the cocktails going, going to look like, going to taste like, it's gonna be it's gonna be fruity it's gonna be it's sugary gonna, it's, it's gonna, gonna fruity, have that that spiced sugary. rum in it you're gonna get some flowers spicy. on top you're gonna get gonna some pineapples flowers. on top it's gonna be pineapple it's gonna be like there's gonna be ice ice cubes inside of like a tiki looking mug mm-hmm. so i was really hesitant to order this cocktail because uh basically it's served in like a in like a little glass oh, yeah. uh, on top of basically like a seahorse tray. Uh, and I saw this picture and I was like, this this isn't tiki drink. This is right. them trying to convince me that this is a tiki <laughs> cocktail and it's not. It's a fake out. But uh, I asked the bartender. I love you know what I, I when I go to tiki. I don't like ordering the classics. They're good, sure. but I like ordering like the low, like the the signature cocktails for that establishment. So I asked the bartender and I was like, I'm trying to decide between these two drinks. And he was like, Ooh, get that one. Uh, and this one's called the sweater weather. Uh, <laughs> and Kyle, I mean, you, I think you know more about alcohol than I do. So maybe you can help me out with this one. The base, the base liquor is, Amburana aged Brazilian cachaca. No idea. No idea. Uh, and it's also got aged Panama rum, a Michigan apple, pineapple, lemon, and cinnamon. Hmm. Uh, and basically not served on ice, just like served, it's just strained into a, into a little glass. And uh, let me tell you, it was so good. Like Dang. I said, one of the best cocktails I've ever had in my life. It was I don't know. I, I it had that spice of the. It kind of had that rum spice, but it, it was really balanced out by like I think it was the apple. I think it was the Michigan yeah. apple that kind of like balanced it a little bit and made it just taste like. I don't. know. It just went down so easy and just hmm. and just so smooth. It was it was great. Um, and yeah, I mean that's I'm not really a, 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 a sophisticated connoisseur of alcohol, <laughs> so I can't describe it to any of you in any deeper kind of way. But, um, but yeah, sweater weather S- sounds like it. we got to find whatever that that first liqueur was. Kachaka. Yeah, we got to figure out what the heck that is and incorporate it into some future spoonfuls. Maybe try and recreate that drink and uh, and give it a, a shot here. That's awesome. It is a distilled spirit from fermented sugarcane juice. So like a rum cousin. It's basically uh, $18 at total wine. We might right, have we to out. Uh, check it out. We uh, out. Chelsea, you got a, uh, you got anything working you're working on today uh, up there in Canada? Well, it is uh, roughly 11:45 a.m. here, so there's no there's no alcoholic beverages going currently. I did think of maybe like, oh, should I have a coffee with Bailey's? But mm. <laughs> uh, I was still like, mm, it's a 
bit early for that for me personally. So I'm just working off of a tea. And unfortunately, I meant to put it into a fun Disney cup, but I it's still sitting in its McDonald's <laughs> cup. Um, and so, so, but then I also have um, some water here. And this is, even though not an official Disney 100 um, tumbler, it's like the same colors. So I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Hell yeah. There's some Disney. Oh, I mean, there's Disney everywhere all the time, especially in my vicinity. But hey, and you're rocking the ears. You've got the Disney vibe going. So uh, the the cup will do. The cup will do. All right, Chris, let's talk a little bit about wh- how we ended up here last time. Um, the demographic we surveyed to get these heroes were the Pixar pal around swingers, folks mm. on the swing side of that iconic Mickey's Fun Wheel of Death at DCA. Uh, we talked about a few of the characters that missed the dance, uh, and we got to our bracket. Uh, after a long round one, we finally got to our Elite Eight. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. The Elite Eight looks like this. Number one, Woody from Toy Story is going to take on the number nine, Miguel from Coco. Number four, Lightning McQueen from Cars is going to take on number 12, Mrs. Incredible from The Incredibles. Number 15, Luca from Luca is going to take on number 10, Wally from Wally. And number three, Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story is going to take on number six, Sully from Monsters, Inc. Uh, I don't remember who went first last time. I, Was did, that you? I did. Yes, I did. All right. Let me dive in then. Number one, Woody versus number nine, Miguel. I'm going to say it off the top. I don't want to hear nothing, nothing about these heroes messing up, not being ideal, getting into their own messes. Because you know what? All of these heroes do. All of these heroes get into cause problems for the people around them. All of them get into messes. All of them have to fix the problem that they created. I want to hear that argument. And we have two people here who do it very well. They love mess. Woody tries to kill Buzz Lightyear and almost does. And Miguel disregards everyone around him for his own selfish search for who his grandfather is or great grandfather is. And puts basically his family uh, in the afterlife at risk and puts his above ground family probably in a lot of stress and anxiety. We don't really get to see what his family who are living uh, when he goes into the afterlife are dealing with. But you have to imagine that if your kid just goes missing, uh, they are going through some stuff up in the land of the living. So uh, in this matchup, we have Woody, who we get four films with multiple shorts, all of these in-person experiences in the parks and in the form of toys, in the form of music. Um, but Woody really, who who I feel like Woody is, is this four movie kind of arc that we see out of him that really starts to plateau mid third movie. Um, we see Woody, the, the selfish toy in the first film who doesn't want to give up his spot, his power, his influence to this new toy um eventually he learns that they are better together and that teamwork makes the dream work and that everyone has their special skills and talents to to bring forth and make the the world or andy's room a better place and then in the second film he is going on this almost miguel-like expedition where he is finding who his true self is and feeling like he he needs to live out his own fame i guess or past fame uh, to really be useful. Um, he thinks that Andy has kind of abandoned him. He thinks that he has a better chance at living forever if he's in a museum and he's willing to throw away relationships that he's built 
uh, to do that. And I think that both of those uh, both of those woodies are very applicable and relatable. Change is hard, especially if you've been doing something for a very long time. So to see this hero of ours struggle with the relationship changes, with the atmosphere or with the um, environment changes and how he has to deal with that, whether it's right or wrong, uh, feels very relatable. And we like that out of the Pixar hero. And he always comes back around. There's always some sort of him reconciling with his wrongdoings, him making good after he's done bad and him learning from that experience. But what is really disconnected is that it feels like in between, especially in between Toy Story 3 and 4, it's ju- we just, we've forgotten. <laughs> like yes. Woody yeah. has forgotten his entire journey. And that was a big part of why Toy Story 4 maybe didn't work so well, right? Like there is that disconnect where we felt like everything was tied up. Everyone learned all they needed to learn in the three movies. And then here we are learning a lot of the same lessons over again. Almost as if like Woody's arc from the three films was shoved into one in the fourth. Um, and and it's a little infuriating that they did that. But I like Woody as a hero. I think that he is that kind of person that has his flaws uh, and will act on those flaws, but always comes back around to recognize what he's done wrong. Number nine, Miguel, you had called out that like that story is about things happening to Miguel rather than Miguel happen- making things happen. And I think that is par for the course when it's a kid. I think that kids have a lot of things that kind of just happen to them uh, because they are trying to figure out life, figure out their place in the world uh, and learn. And you learn by things by doing and by things happening to you and how you react to it. Uh, Miguel is very selfish. He he is thinking about himself. He's thinking about how he can make his own situation better without kind of recognizing the bigger picture as to why people are acting the way that they are. And like I said at the beginning, he kind of puts a lot of of risk uh, at, at the table by pursuing these these issues. He steals this guitar in this mausoleum that <laughs> you're not supposed to be in, right? And that transports him to the land of the dead. And even there, he is being very aggressive in his pursuit of finding answers. Uh, he is, you know, running through custom. He's breaking into this land of the living, uh, putting his family at risk. He is putting Hector at risk uh, just because Hector is trying to also get back to the land of the living, but he is he is dying. <laughs> like he is about to go bye-bye forever. And Miguel's like, no, I got to find my great grandpa. He's, he's famous and, and he's, he's going to solve all of my problems while Hector's dealing with some real shit as well. And that's that kind of, I don't know, that's that immaturity. That is what happens with a kid. And, and, and in the end, the kid learns about family. He learns about the, the lessons that we learn from those that come before us. He learns how to translate those lessons and apply them to the changing world that he's experiencing. And he's able to really bring the family back together. So I like Miguel because he feels like an aspirational character for a kid and maybe not necessarily a relatable story of a kid, right? I I don't see myself as an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old sprinting through the land of the dead and just like, being completely chill with it. <laughs> uh, so that is very that is a Pixar situation and I like that. But I think the number one seed's gonna move on here for me because I mm-hmm. see that people of all ages can kind of experience and learn from the arc that Woody goes through over and over again, uh, both as an adult and as a child watching 
uh, you get a lot out of that. And Pixar is known for that wide spectrum of storytelling. Um, Coco is a movie that I don't love. Um, but no. it is, but it is, is a, it? But, 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 but Kyle and Shells, <laughs> Coco is a movie that I appreciate. Uh, and I mostly, I appreciate what it means to a lot of people. Yes. Um, Miguel, Kyle, we talk about these, these heroes uh, being flawed and Miguel, I just, I don't see a lot of flaws in Miguel as as like a character like he's very very smart he's very resourceful um he's he seems to be a quick thinker he's very optimistic based on the situation that he's in um and that's great uh for for an aspirational hero and and i i compared miguel to captain america uh on on the last episode (laughs) and and i think that i think that was the context that that i compared him is that like it's a character that I, I don't see myself in, not because of the cultural background of the character, but just because I think of myself as a, as a very flawed individual and, and seeing a hero on screen who always knows what to do in the, in the situation. I, I'm just kind of like, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I think making this make sense to me. So on that note, I have a rewrite. And I, and I want you to both to tell me what you think about oh this boy. rewrite. Um, and, and Coco pays tribute to uh, a beautiful holiday uh, celebrated by the Mexican people. And so the movie is set in Mexico. What if Coco was not set in Mexico okay. and it was set in a U.S. city? And not that Coco needs anymore shoved into the movie but what if there was an element of like miguel having to deal with kind of like the differences in culture between Mm. where he comes from and the people around him and his Mm. family Mm. like do you think i I mean like i said i understand that like the movie's paying tribute to something special and that like it's maybe a little bit arrogant to want to set this movie in the u.s because not all movies need to be set in the u.s um (laughs) uh but i think that is one thing that i could see like maybe that could add an an element of miguel that i could sort of be like okay so like not only do you have all this great stuff but maybe you have an element of him like struggling with uh maintaining the traditions of his Mexican heritage. Sure. Yeah. I think that that just makes it a different story altogether. And so that is a, a rewrite in and of itself. Um, but I think that the, the cultural tension comes through fairly thick just within his own experiences. He's very much like living in the past and trying to live within the bounds of his culture, but also knowing that there's more to life than continuing the family tradition. He wants to live outside of it, right? Like the music part is not, he doesn't have a familial connection to the music until he assumes that he does um, when he thinks that his grandfather is Ernesto de la Cruz. So him existing in this musical world before he discovers that is almost him trying to live outside of his own familial culture and balancing between being a kid who loves music and also being the son of a a generational shoemaker. 
uh, and the tradition that that carries as a as a family name. Um, so I think that there's a aspect that if this was set in a you know in a white suburban <laughs> community, and he's also trying to balance that, it, that feels a little bit like turning red, right? Like mm. it's it's May trying to balance her identity and her family's traditions, uh, not. Uh, upsetting her own fa- her own mom, her own dad, but also living her best suburbanite life. Um, so if you're if you're looking for that, I could highly suggest Chris Turning Red. Fantastic <laughs> film for you. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Chelsea? What do you think? Well, I think it's a like I agree with both points. Like I think it's a very um, interesting idea, and it would ultimately change a lot about the plot. Um, my first, like when you first brought up the idea, I was like, great idea. However, I feel like there's probably enough movies and stories out there that talk about the, um, the American versus your traditional heritage, like, uh, pull and tug. And, um, and I think what's like similar to you, this movie isn't like my absolute favorite, uh, Pixar film. Um, and I know that a lot of it has to do with just the fact that like, this isn't my culture and I just don't understand. But what I really appreciate, same as you, is what it means to everyone else. So I think in terms of like my opinion on, on like how the, like a rewrite or not, I really like that this, that, that this movie doesn't do that just because I, I think this story, it needed to be told and it needed to be told in, in, you know, in Mexico, in the culture and um, in which it originates and to offer audiences um, that perspective. Um, I think had that it, they gone the other direction and done like the rewrite that you're suggesting, it probably would have had a broader um, um, audience just because more probably Americans um, could be, could uh, resonate with it. But um, ultimately, yeah, I think it's that movie needed to be made. And 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 I hope that there is more um, more films that kind of are set into these traditional spaces or sorry, not traditional um, into these um, um, within the, the these different heritage heritages and um, and you know me, especially when it comes to like just like the film and then and talking about tradition and breaking those traditions. I think this movie does a really good job and it, within Miguel's character of like speaking on the touch points of a the newer generation of kids coming in and just changing things and just flipping the script and not having to stick with these um, traditional formats or traditional ways of, of going about things that things can evolve and progress. Um, so that's in terms of you know his heroic nature of his character that's what i really appreciate well said uh both of you uh it's it's always a fun thought exercise for me to to not just sort of like bash on a movie but say like what what are some tweaks that i could make that make might make me get behind this a little bit yeah um but all that being said adios miguel um <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna send this little kid home uh <laughs> send him back home uh with a nice little string cheese uh and lunchable uh <laughs> because because woody is moving on uh to the next round yeah just uh, a robust sort of a wealth of content to draw from when when we think about woody and and like you mentioned kyle not all of it hits uh in some of the more recent toy story stuff but um in, in the run-up to that we get a lot of uh, experience with this character and, and i think that absolutely uh matters uh and that that counts for something so i'll, I'll move woody along uh chels would you have done the same 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, and I think it, the nostalgic bias also comes into play here too, but um, uh, Woody is just a timeless character and also like they're making a fifth movie. So like, obviously there is more to be said and there's more to be done. So there's more um, heroic adventures for, for Woody out there. So I'm excited to see, and hopefully um, maybe they'll take some tips of from what the audience reception of the fact that he kind of just like fell back into his old ways in the fourth movie and maybe they'll they'll expand further. Um, I also think with the fourth movie, it was a little bit more directed towards Bo Peep and that kind of like female empowerment. So that I, I also help, hope to see maybe that in terms of, of Woody's character of showing how, um, how a male character can help um, elevate the female voice. Awesome. Um, well, Next up, we've got the number four Lightning McQueen versus number 12 Mrs. Incredible. This is going to be a tough one for Chelsea, uh, so we'll give you some time to think about it. Um, Lightning McQueen, I, I, Lightning, I want to say Kyle didn't advance Lightning on uh, in the in the last matchup. Um, but <laughs> but I, I I rode I rode a little bit uh, for yeah. for Lightning McQueen last time, uh, particularly because I just really like kind of the theme of cars and the moral of cars, uh, and and it's it's a homecoming of sorts, uh, emotionally and physically, uh, for Lightning McQueen, and I just I just love that for for him. I just I love a story about someone who who thinks they're too big for their britches and they end up kind of getting pulled back down to earth. Uh, I think that's uh, that's kind of a lesson that we all can sort of get behind in 2023 when so many of us uh, are thinking globally while not acting locally uh so so i just love that we we, we talked a little bit about how you know him and sally uh is <laughs> is kind of the mo- the motivation for lightning for a lot of his actions are not rooted in in friendship for most of the movie they're rooted in getting getting a little bumper to bumper with sally <laughs> Um, and also he has, you know, he has kind of a snotty attitude, uh, for a while as well. So, um, those were some of the, some of the cons. So, so just to add on to, to some things I really like about lightning McQueen, uh, I mean, I'll say it. I'm an Owen Wilson fan. Uh, Are you? I've, been, I've been an Owen Wilson fan since, uh, since day one, since I first saw this man in Zoolander when <laughs> I was like eight years old, I was like, I like this guy. I see this man and meet the parents. I like this guy. I mean, there's not a whole lot of projects Owen Wilson has done that I've been like, oh, didn't like him in that. Do you have uh, a favorite Owen Wilson character? I the, definitely uh, Kevin from from Meet the Parents. Okay, he's the yeah. ex the ex fiance when he's like, <laughs> um, uh, he's like they're in the kitchen and he's like, uh, how's your portfolio? <laughs> and Ben Stiller's like. I'd say strong <laughs> or when he's like, um, when, when, uh, Robert De Niro is like, uh, Greg's Jewish and he's like, Hey, well, so is JC. You're in good company. <laughs> Anyways. Sorry. Um, so, I mean, you're so good in everything. Uh, I think that adds to kind of like the, the hero quality of lightning McQueen for me. Uh, and it's not just that I like, uh, Owen Wilson, but kind of the, the actor that he is and the character that he tends to kind of like portray in these movies is one that's just super plain. 
like super vanilla, uh, but at the same time, like super approachable and like he's a, he's a, a blank sheet of paper so that anyone should be able to feel like, Oh, like I, I can see a little bit of myself in, in Owen Wilson, the, the more specific that you make an actor, the more quirks that they have, uh, that's when they become character actors, right? And yeah. they don't get as much work. And so like part of being a lead in, in anything and part of being a hero is that you're, you're sort of adaptable uh, sure. and, and you kind of, don't do too much to uh, shake the the story itself. You are you are the vessel for the story. Okay. So uh, I like that. I like that Owen Wilson is involved in this project. Here's the thing, though: is I like Cars the movie. I don't like Cars the piece the of machinery. Franchise. Oh, oh, the piece of machinery. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big car guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If we had a system of public transportation in place to get me wherever I needed to go and it was fast and efficient and not too crowded uh, and clean and safe, I would I would be on it uh, all the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't like it when my car has something happen to it. Like there's like a mechanical issue with it. I'm like, yep. this is I hate this. I always at the most inconvenient time. I don't know shit about it. So I'm going to nope. go take it to the shop. I don't know what if the what they're telling me is correct or not. I try to be really confident when I walk in and they can see it on my face. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. They I go in for know. a simple oil change and they're like, actually, you need all of this. I'm like, OK, if you say so. <laughs> Calling dad to consult. Hey, so this <laughs> is what they, they said I need. Is this correct? Yeah, exactly. I walk in to get my oil changed and I see a sign on the wall that has all the three oil prices. Yes. And it's got like regular, synthetic, full synthetic. I'm like, I don't know what any of that is. Nope. But I'll take the medium one. Like, give me the medium. <laughs> medium roast, please. And then, they, and then, and then they, you know, they charge me $100 for it. And then they put a sticker on my car that says I need it again in three months. I'm like, well, it's been a year since I got my last one. Yeah. I and think you're I'm telling up. me, you're telling me I need one in three months. Is that because you put like a different oil in it that's like not going to last three months? Or like, how serious is this situation? I yeah. don't know. Are you <laughs> no. trying to hose me? Probably. Probably. No disrespect to any mechanics uh, that are listening to this episode, but uh, I have I ha- just if I didn't have to deal with my car uh, and, life, and the driving, maintaining, parking, uh, uh, paying of tolls of my car, I would be okay with it. <laughs> would be okay with it. Um, I also don't aspire to be a car. No, never thought just about like, it. Just like you know, I don't <laughs> aspire to be a little kid. I don't aspire to be a car either. Uh, I'm fine being a human being and and we've gone on uh, a few different rants about uh, what happens and (laughs) and how the cars universe came to be Uh, go listen to some of our previous episodes but uh, I guess that's that's in the mix so Mrs. Incredible um, I'm I'm gonna go with Mrs. Incredible in this matchup here I actually I actually have the upset and uh, we were watching The Incredibles. Uh, that was the one movie we went and did a little rewatch uh, this oh, nice. last week. And and I have a lot of thoughts on that movie, on the story of Mrs. Incredible. But I think my primary takeaway was that, you know, I, I really appreciate the ability that Mrs. Incredible has to uh, take hold of any situation. Literally, um, but, at the sa- but at the same time, you can tell that it's 
no pun intended, it's wearing her thin, um, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> mentally and emotionally as well. And like, I think that's part of the joke of the character, right? Is she's, yeah. she's a superwoman. She can do anything that she wants. Uh, and, and so naturally she has super elasticity where she can take hold of any situation that she, she feels like she needs to. So it's a great combination. Um, and, and I just really like that. She's also just got a really, um, fun sort of like energy about her when she's not in like mom, uh, mode. She has this sort of like, uh, she's a little bit withholding. Um, and like her, her first introduction in the first movie when she meets Bob uh, and it's just like, it's like a little sexy. It's pretty, <laughs> I, I don't know. I was into it. So yeah. I got Mrs. Incredible here. Yeah, I agree. I did not want lightning moving on last time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that uh, Mrs. Incredible is definitely the the better, well-rounded hero. I, I do like the extremity of lightning's arc um, because he goes from like being just a total shit bag to coming around and and not being not doing things just for himself uh, he allows um what's chelsea what's the old car's name what's the dynaco car's name that oh, crashes the in the first mr movie? the king mr the king okay mr the king who <laughs> crashes uh he helps push him over the finish line giving up the piston cup uh and that was that act of service for someone else is something that he had been struggling with for the entire film and really shows him coming around. But Mrs. Incredible, I think, as a hero, has her faults. And we see that a lot in the second movie, um, in, in which I will argue the the kids are really the focus and, and the heroes that we follow in that second movie, even though Mrs. Incredible is a focus of it. Um, but I think that Mrs. Incredible is just a better hero, both in the way that she handles tough situations and is able to always put her best foot forward, even if it's blindly. Um, I like that about her. It's relatable. It's great. So Mrs. Incredible is going to move on, Chelsea. Uh, down goes your, your precious Lightning McQueen. Uh, your thoughts. So what's funny is that um, I was going, when you guys first started, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be a tiebreaker here, but I had already chosen that if I was, that I would have gone with Mrs. Incredible. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, as anyone probably has heard from previous podcasts I've been on um, or episodes of yours when talking about Cars, it's my favorite film, hands down. I would argue, I'm not saying that um, that the romance isn't a motivation. Of course, it's a motivation. <laughs> However, the I think the friendship element between Mater and Lightning is going is like being missed here. I don't think his only motivation is Sally. I think Sally really helps him see the issues and like helps him kind of reflect on, on his behavior. Um, but his, like the, the, the care that he has for Mater and just like the friendship, because like ultimately that's what lightning was missing. Like from the beginning of the movie, you could see that he was just missing friends he wasn't really missing like that love interest. It was the friendship. So like, and you can see that when he's on his way to California and his agent calls, which right. having having the agent played by Ari from um, from Entourage, Entourage was just like, yeah. <laughs> but um, he calls and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, like let's hang out, whatever. And and Lightning really really wants to, and then he gets hung up on, and he's like, oh, I still have no one. I don't really have friends, and like I just have employees. And even they, 
like his crew takes off because he's being a, an asshole. So like, I think the friendship element was really what drove him to actually make change. I think Sally's character more or less just played the role of like a little bit of the motivation part, but also, and also because every movie needs to have romance. It, like it's kind of just one of those things that we see in every type of film. Um, I don't think, I don't say that, I don't think that it has to have romance and I like when it doesn't, but <laughs> that's what we traditionally see. Um, and yeah, so, and then especially I think too, when you look at the cars on the road show, I think the yeah. comes out even yeah, I further love those. because that's, I love those shorts. you really get to see Mater shine and not in the silly way that they make him shine in cars too. So yeah, but, um, if this was with Mater, then yeah, Mater would be going ahead. But <laughs> and like Lightning McQueen, while I love cars, he's never been my favorite character. Like he's not he's not the main squeeze in that film by sure. any stretch. Um but with Mrs. Incredible, it's uh, why I would have chosen her is just because her it's the whole female empowerment and it's of course like that perspective really speaks to me specifically and um and it's it's just, she is really just plays that hero, not in not just in like the specific sense of of like that she's a superhero, but she also plays the hero as like the mom and she's the superwoman and she's like she just plays hero in a lot of different categories yeah. that I think uh, just pushes her her over the top. Um, and you you don't have those same like male egos that are at play that the the character has to come over. Instead, it's more kind of her trying to figure out how can I. How can I be everyone's hero um, sure. in every way that I'm needed? I'm needed as a like a wife. I'm needed as a, a mom. I'm needed as a hero to the world. I'm also needed to. I I need to feel good as a woman individual myself. So like, um, I just there's just a lot of hero elements, um, and that play on those really co complex storylines. So, um, so that's why I would have moved her forward. All right. On to the next Elite Eight matchup here. Uh, it's number 15, Luca, versus number 10, Wally. And I, I have the opposite here. I have Luca over Wally. And I have that because I think that Luca, as a kid character, um, as Chris brought up, he doesn't see a ton of, of flaws in the way that um, Miguel operates. I don't see a ton of flaws in in how Luca operates, but what I do see is a very authentic representation of a kid who is quite literally a fish out of water in his own kind of community. Uh, he he understands the the power behind friendship and camaraderie, but he also is dealing with his own inner demons. Uh, he's dealing with his own insecurities. Uh, he's dealing with this internal influence that has has a, a a power over him while he's also trying to fit in and experience the world and i think that is very relatable to many kids experiences it's very relatable for when you when you change schools when you change towns when you're trying to find your way in an environment that you have never been in before um and it's also kind of a, a lesson towards the parents who are watching this hero per go through the world, this kind of overprotection, this not allowing your kid to experience things for themselves, um, not uh, holding too tight of a leash can create these anxieties that you yourself have never wanted. It it's this very dynamic story that you can show to any audience and they're going to get a ton out of it. 
And I also just love the way that Luca operates. He's extremely curious. He's extremely kind. Uh, he has, uh, he's very patient with those around him and kind of presents himself as someone who, who wants that love in return that he gives to, to his friends. Um, he also doesn't want to let his friends down. He doesn't want to let his team down. He doesn't want to let his parents down. Uh, I just really like how Luca uh, kind of operates within this world. Um, it's interesting because our hero is not necessarily the one that goes on the most drastic, has the most drastic, uh, drastic arc. Uh, it's really like those folks around him and how he's able to influence those arcs and make those people even better people. And I, am, I actually really like that out of the hero. I really like the hero helping people along their journeys as well as them finding themselves. I find that extremely relatable because it's it's not just about you. It, it's it's about your how you operate within the world and how you can help uh, others be better, how you can help yourself be better, and how you can live your true self. Um, obviously, like this this feels like a very coded movie around you know closeted gayness and and not feeling like you're able to live that truth and and tell people who you are and show your your true self and i like that they uh kind of gave that to us even though it wasn't specifically that um it's just i just really admire luca i i like wally i like wally as a character and and as a hero and he's very goofy and he's also one of those people that are just trying to do his best and and help others and and do the right thing. He's built to help. Uh, he's helping to clean up Earth. He's helping Eve to return this plant. He's helping to keep that plant safe. He's he's a helper and he's a giver. And he's hoping that he gets something uh, in return in the form of connection, in the form of friendship, in the form of love. And he eventually ends up getting that for himself and building a community around it and, and helping a community thrive. But I just really love the journey that Luca goes on and how he fits into a world that he doesn't feel like he belongs in, but ends up finding his place in. So 15 Luca over 10 Wally. Yeah. I mean, Kyle, you, you started that, <laughs> that statement about Luca with, I don't think he has the, the, the strongest arc or, or something like that. Yeah. And then you, and then you go on to, describe just how strong that his arc is. Uh, Luca is on the most challenging arc of any of the sure, heroes on this sure. bracket. And it's a challenge that all of us are going through every day. And it's the arc. It's the hero's journey to find self love, uh, mm. to, to find confidence in yourself and comfort in your own skin. Uh, that's, that's really the challenge that we all face when we wake up in the morning, uh, at least for tortured souls like myself, it's, it's finding the ability to wake up and say, you know, I'm, I'm enough. I'm enough how I am right now. Uh, and I don't need this, that, or the other to, to prove to anyone just how uh, great I am. Uh, and I, I just appreciate Luca for, for that so much and seemingly coming to that realization at the end of the movie when he's on that train by himself saying goodbye to everyone that he's ever loved and known. Uh, <laughs> and that, and that rain trickles down his face, revealing his, his sea monster. self. I'm getting chills just talking about it guys. <laughs> um, so, so I'm going to go with Luca as well. Uh, Wally, there, there is a, there is something that I like about Wally and that's just his like incompetence and, and the idea yeah. that, the the idea that he's he's fearless enough to do anything 
no matter how ill-equipped he feels, he doesn't, you know, the thing is he doesn't even like, it doesn't compute that he's ill-equipped to do things. And like, that's a, that's a level I would love to be at is just, <laughs> it is, is not having to deal with the burden of fear whatsoever. Like yeah. it's just not chemically, uh, something that you can even feel to, to say like, Oh, I don't think I'll be able to do that. Or like, I don't think I, um, have the skills or, uh, the, the, the physical makeup to, to perform that particular action. Just love that about Wally. Um, so he definitely falls more into the aspirational hero category to me mm, than the, mm-hmm. than the relatable hero category to me. But, um, I just do, I do like, um, you know, that he is, he is a robot, but he has a definitely a, a human side to him. Well, so he's, he's a fun one to watch. Um, we got, we got three, uh, non tie breaks here. So, so Chels, not a whole lot of lifting for you so far, but do you think you would have, uh, moved Luca on? I know you're, you're a big Wally fan. Yeah. Well, of course, like last episode, I, you know, cars, my favorite movie, Wally, my favorite character, but <laughs> I was actually really, really hoping that I was not going to be a tiebreaker here just because I know that I don't know if I would have been able to not to choose without like leaning into my own bias. So because I really do strongly agree with all of the points you guys are making with Luca. Um, And I really like what you say just kind of about Wally just to just to continue to elevate him as a hero is he is that aspirational hero with the the lack of fear and then one thing I would say is that what makes him I think a really good hero um, as like the hero Pixar hero category is that he seems to just always know what the right thing is mm. like he, and it doesn't he does like I'm not saying he doesn't have that internal struggle of like oh wait do I do this do I do that I think there still is some internal struggle but ultimately he just always chooses the right path like he always just knows what's best and um so i i really appreciate that in a hero is one that just always knows what what the right thing to do is because then you you can feed off of that confidence as well awesome well the last round of eight matchup is number three buzz lightyear versus number six Sully. um this is a tough one and, and we didn't get to talk a whole lot about buzz in the last episode uh so i have a i have a few things to say about him um I will just say that the transformation that Buzz goes through in the first movie is a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and 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 I appreciate what he goes through and he kind of his character really falls off like even more than Woody Buzz's character falls off in the remaining Toy Story movies. Yeah, he, he just he ends becomes, up just he's a plot device. It's just yes, like if so yes. if if we need someone to be in charge of this situation, just let Buzz do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and and like for, for sort of good reason because just like imagine you live your whole life thinking you're one thing and then you're told you're something <laughs> else and just like the bird like the emotional burden that that takes on you Seriously. has to be it, it has to be uh difficult because this is a this is a toy this is a man who is uh learning to be someone else yeah. uh seemingly in adulthood let's say buzz is around 30 years old early 30s he that's that's kind of what he gives off <laughs> Um, so kind of like seeing him go from, from, uh, you know, super uptight hero, uh, stereotype to being just a guy like that seems like the character getting less interesting, but in the same way, like that feels so accurate, totally. you know, like yeah. it, it, he goes from being super annoying and, and out there to being just a person in the room. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, 
Well, yeah, like that's that's what happened. <laughs> Life. Um, Welcome to it. <laughs> and I appreciate I appreciate Buzz's uh in 20, in 2023. I appreciate Buzz's ability to accept the truth of what he has been told. Yeah. Uh that he staked his whole life on this idea that he's a space ranger that he can fly that you know he's on an alien planet and he needs his helmet to to survive uh to be told that all of that is is in fact not true and he has a hard time believing it but then just sort of like accepting it like that's that's a place i would love to be you know just just being able to uh being able to accept when you're wrong. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's uh, not just me, but like all of society, you know, I think we're, the, we're in the, the era where we're all concerned with being right. Uh, and, and buzz is a good example of being able to be like, I'm wrong. I'm very wrong and I'm changing everything. <laughs> totally. Totally. Uh, and, and please do, do not take this the wrong way. Um, because I'll explain, but, oh. uh, buzz, <laughs> Buzz is giving Gavin Newsom uh, to <laughs> me, and and let me explain. Yeah, please. Uh, for those that do not know, Gavin Newsom is current governor of California, uh, serving his second term. I, I think uh, he was governor when I moved here, so and he got reelected. So I assume that's two. Mm-hmm. And Gavin has many looks, and. And he is the type of guy where he can get on a podium, be in a suit and tie. Uh, and the next day he gets on the podium and he's in a suit, but he's got no tie and his top, bo- <laughs> his top buttons popped. Yeah. Uh, and then he can be a guy where he goes out to an appearance and does the speech on location and he's out at the podium and he's got no jacket on and his sleeves are rolled up and he's got, he's got the tie, but it's like loose around his, his collar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has many looks and, and buzz is like that as well. Uh, and, and it's like when you see Gavin in that sleeves rolled up mode, yeah, but tie undone a little bit mode. Like, what does that say? Or what is he, what is he trying to get people to think he's, about? He's, he's relatable. He's, 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 he's relatable. the every, he's, everyday guy he just he's, happens he's to been be working. the leader of the, of the state. <laughs> he's, Work, he's been working, working he's been for working. the people. He's been working hard <laughs> signing those papers, yeah. just th- thinking about all the problems that are happening in his state. Oh, I'm, I'm just like you, bro. Yeah. And, and when buzz is walking around with that helmet down, that's a whole different buzz. That is a different buzz. And, and jab I, daddy buzz right there. It's, <laughs> it's it's a buzz that says, I'm tired. I've been through it. I used to try, but guess what? I don't have a lot in me anymore. Yeah. And so a lot of times when buzz is depicted in marketing material, posters, toys, whatever, he's got that helmet up. He's superhero buzz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's not my buzz. (laughs) My buzz has been through it. The helmet down. My buzz is at the end of his journey. A little skin tight purple cap on. He's already done it. (laughs) And he just wants peace. Uh, And so when I think about Buzz Lightyear in the context of a hero, I don't think about him karate chopping emperor zerg right. i don't think about him out here with the nerf gun on top of an elevator shaft yeah saving the day i see a man trying to exist i see a man 
who sat down after a long journey and said, <laughs> I'm home and I want to stay home. Yeah. <laughs> Buzz is going up against Sully who has a very similar energy about him. And yeah. that's why this matchup's really tough for me. James P. Sullivan's the top scare. He's been through it all. He's done. He's accomplished everything. Like I said, last episode that a monster living in Monstropolis possibly can accomplish dudes on the cover of magazines. Yeah. He's getting cover shoots and he's basically, uh, his hero story is renewed. Uh, when, when, but when, uh, boo, uh, enters the picture, Totally. New no purpose. longer new purpose. And that purpose is, uh, the bringing of joy to others. Uh, it's no longer about taking from kids. It's no longer about, um, being at the top of some, some scare chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not about work. Um, and what others can provide to you or how others can help you and and reach your goals. Mm -hmm. It's about spreading good feet, good vibes, man. Yeah. And, and I love that about silly. So when, when we look at these two matchups that, you know, I have to ask myself, like when I think about these two characters and, and where I see them, where do I like, how do I want to be when I meet them? I, I think, I think I'm going to go with, with Sully Sullivan. Okay. Just because I think as a hero right now, he has legs. Yes. Like he, his story continues and I think he continues to be a hero, uh, until the end of time. Right. Whereas Buzz, I mean, he's he was a hero and he, he did something really heroic. Um, but I think that he's just going through the motions at this point. And sure. like, and I understand why, but <laughs> I just like, I don't know. Icing on the cake will go with the Tim Allen thing. So I got Jim James P. <laughs> Sullivan moving on. I actually, this was easy for me. I had Sully moving along all the entire time. I liked the hero's journey of finding themselves in Buzz Lightyear in the first film. But then he just becomes a sounding board for like Woody's antics throughout the rest of the franchise uh, or trying to be the voice of reason. He's almost like a Jiminy Cricket for Woody the rest of the way, trying to keep the peace between Woody trying to find that next adventure and the the room of toys who are comfortable just existing as playthings. And he's trying to keep keep both sides uh, chilling. But with Sully, like, I don't, I think that it even goes beyond just spreading the good vibes. It's doing the right thing in sacrifice of your own selfish wants. Uh, he has thrived at trying to be the best, being at the top. And when the top starts to teeter and he has a moment in which he can set that record, he can be on top forever. Um, he changes his priorities into the safety and the well being of Boo. And in that, he spreads that that he sets that example of doing good over being the best and i think that's a very important learning not only for us as the viewer but for his universe and they all kind of learn that and he just becomes like the the stereotypical hero in exposing the wrongdoing that is happening at the plant itself and waternoose's schemes to like kidnap children Right. He he exposes all of that and puts a plan together to make it happen. Yada, yada, yada. Typical hero 
quote unquote hero type stuff. But the real heroism is the way that he puts others before himself. And I like that a lot. So just by virtue of him uh, being that kind of focus of heroism and buzz continuing on as the sounding board for others, I have to go with Sully. Uh, Chels, not in a tie break, but do you have any thoughts about how we ended up here? Well, I don't even know why I'm here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I actually, I agree. And so in terms of like Buzz, as you guys know, he's another one of my top favorite characters. And what I, he kind of goes down in terms of this matchup is really, is more of the relatable hero in the sense that like, he's not, he, he goes through di- so many different phases, especially in like the first film of being like, that you know traditional like superhero i'm the man kind of thing and then you get his his helmet down and he's like he he changes a little bit there and then you even get to this the point when he's in um oh what's the the kid's name i can't remember his andy name. no no the the bad one the bad kid oh sid sid when he, he gets to sid's and it's like sid's house and like his sister and sid's sister is like playing with him and he's like missing an arm and he's just like basically drunk off his ass and (laughs) is what it seems and like kind of just like floating through and giving up and like going through that real hard adversity and like I feel personally in my personal life that's I'm I'm that that I'm that buzz that's my buzz right now that's who I am right now I'm going through it and trying to figure it out so um so as like a relatable hero i think he really he emulates that plus you also made um Kyle, you also made another comment just about now i can't remember what you said but but just about buzz in the, in the sense that like he's he's like a sounding board he's the voice yeah. of reason yeah exactly so like what i do also really like is he plays that character kind of like what we were talking about some of the other ones where he is the the sydney crosby he makes others better <laughs> And so while the focus on him as a hero may not be very um, strong, it's like he does help others. And what I really appreciate about him is like he's um, in throughout the rest of the films, like once he's kind of gotten over his like I, you know, thinking that he is a real life superhero, real life space ranger. He then just becomes the guy of like, where do you need me? Where right. can, how can I help? What do you need? Like not having that necessarily that ego. Um, so. And I always love a character that's just like, what can I do? Where can I be of help? Like, this is your show, but what, like, I'm here to do what you need. So I really appreciate that. Um, But Sully, as like the overall hero, I think he just, he does take it in terms of this matchup because he, it does not take him very long to recognize right from wrong when he meets Boo. And then he is constantly trying to figure out how to, um, to rectify the situation um so and and doesn't really get too bogged down by the the bureaucracy of of everything so um i would definitely put him ahead except though i love the movie monsters university he does not he has not hero energy (laughs) belly in that movie he is your dumb jock that's just that that typical like almost like 21 jump street kind of vibe totally totally (laughs) All right, that brings us to our first final four matchups. Number one, Woody versus number 12, Mrs. Incredible. And I think in the assessment that both you, Chris, and you, Chels, uh, gave 
in that first matchup and even in the second matchup kind of sums everything up for me that I really like about Mrs. Incredible. I like her her journey as trying to quite literally hold this family together, trying to help each other realize their strengths and come together around their weaknesses. And in the second film, as I alluded to, she becomes the spotlight in which she's trying to not only hold the family court, but she's trying to help the world. She gets bamboozled, or they all do, and they get tricked into this scheme, which is not something that you're very uh, used to seeing a hero happen to a hero. And if they do, they get themselves out of it. Here in the second film, we have the kids coming together. We have the kids who have spent the last two movies learning from the mistakes and the accomplishments of their parents and putting it all together. They've seen their their parents in both films operate separately and get themselves in trouble. And here they are understanding that really it takes this entire team to be heroic. And the kids work together to help save the city, presumably the world, if if the scheme of the screen slaver gets out. Um, so I I think that we have almost a bamboozlement of ourselves in who the hero of Incredibles mm-hmm. 2 is, which are the children and how the children are are so resilient when the parents are absolutely going through it. Bob Parr can't do math. Mrs. Incredibles out on journeys being tricked like the kids are holding down that fort. And I and I I think that's just so fun to to experience when you watch those films. But just Helen being the hero in every scenario uh, is just incredible. Uh, it's awesome to see. It's awesome to see that she can also have her faults and be blinded by tasks that maybe aren't so significant, overcome by work, you know, and in her missions and and coming to the realization that it's not all about work and it's not all about your job and what you're supposed to do. It's about how you can make you and those around you better. Uh, I like that. And with Woody, you know, I like hit obviously his Toy Story one journey. Um, but then there's so much kind of rinse and repeating of that same scenario of him wanting that fame, him wanting that notoriety, where it's almost like he doesn't learn time and time again. And we're watching the different versions of the same journey with new friends over and over again. And, and don't get me wrong, I love I love those three films and I think that they're fun and they're great. But when it comes to Woody, uh, you, you want to see him not give in to his old ways and time and time again, he does. So I'm, I'm going to go with the 12-1 upset here and put Mrs. Incredible in the finals uh, just because I think that she her journey is not only relatable, but she's able to learn and operate at the same exact time. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I love both of these characters. I mean, I love all four of these characters. Yeah, left totally. On this bracket. I mean, any four of these characters, I would be cool with being the winner of this bracket. Like, I'll just go ahead and say that right now. Like, I think all four of these have qualities that is some like in any mm-hmm. combination, one could be the winner on any mm-hmm. day. Totally. So at this point, like all are worthy. So I'm just going to have to go with like what I like personally at this point. <laughs> sure. Um, and Mrs. Incredible, like I love that Chelsea, you kind of mentioned it when you, when you name drop Bo Peep is so, so, so many times when we talk about, the depiction of women in movies, it has to be like female empowerment or like strong female character. 
here we have an example with Mrs. Incredible that like it's just a good character. It's yes. just just a strong yeah. just a strong hero. Period. Uh, and I love that. Mrs. Incredible being a woman doesn't really have anything to do with her uh, credibility as a as a hero. Like no matter how you cut it, I just I just love that. Woody is the character that whenever I go to Animation Academy at California Adventure <laughs> and I put my and I put I do a little survey, I get Woody every single time. Right. Um, and I don't know if that's that's just because there's not a lot of options or just because maybe maybe Woody is me. Uh, and so that's why I have a really strong bias towards Woody. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm going to to go with him in okay. this matchup. Okay. Uh, he the, the kind of guy that loves to talk but often says stuff wrong. I mean that's just that's me. <laughs> that's me to a T. So uh, I'm gonna go with that one. Chelsea uh, tie break here. This is a tough one. Yay, finally. Um, what actually I found funny is, is I'm not sure, uh, but I'm on the document that you, we have opened up. And Kyle, you didn't even let Chris like have his say. You were like, oh, I'm putting my person in the document. I know. I, I went on autopilot <laughs> there. I went on autopilot. Um, but I, again, similar to uh, Chris, I have the same like opinion in terms of like, all four of these uh, characters are like, wouldn't, I'm not going to be upset if any one of wh- which, whichever one wins. Um, but ultimately in terms of hero vibes, I I'm going to push Mrs. Incredible ahead. Um, I think she just represents a lot more in terms of like modern society um, and, um, and like what we all should strive to be as heroes. Um, and then uh, just also wanted to make a quick note, uh, Kyle, just based off of your comment of the second movie of being the, like the kids are almost the real heroes. And I never really thought of it that way. And um, but I completely agree. And I'm the kind of person that watches a movie and I'm like um, when it especially if it's like about uh, two parents and I'm like, well, if you didn't have the kids, this wouldn't be an issue. Like you'd be able to go do this. You'd be able to go, like the kids are the burden constantly yep. Yep. for me. Um, and whereas in that film, the kids are actually not a burden. They're actually like, they're assisting and they're helpful and they actually, um, do not play that like vulnerable role. Um, and it might also have to do with the fact that they have super, like superpowers themselves. So it's a, they can kind of like fight their own battles. But then I think that, you know, um, attributes back to, you know, like the, the lessons that they've learned from their superhero parents and the job well done that Mrs. Incredible um, has uh, has done for her kids. So she definitely moves into the finals for me. All right. Who will she face? It's number 15, Luca versus number six, Sully. And for me, it's it's a little boy, Luca. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, he just, I love his sort of, uh, I mean, Miguel, we had another kid kid on this bracket, but uh, Miguel really represents the, the type of kid who seems to be living by his own rules and he's and he's fearless about it. Whereas Luca seems to be the kid who who wants to live by his own rules, but he's very <laughs> he's very timid uh, and he's very fragile. And like another one that just like I just feel like that's me. Uh, that little that little sensitive boy who just uh, is quite unsure about a lot of things. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and like silly, I love silly. I, I like that. He's a big, big boy. Uh, and, uh, I, I love kind of his, his mental state, uh, in adulthood in, in that movie. But, but Luca just, it just takes me back. It just takes me back to kind of a, a simpler time. Um, and, and a softer time emotionally, maybe. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's, I think that's why I got him, him going to the finals. 
I also think that Pixar has progressed beyond just the like physical journey of getting an object from point A to point B and really connecting to the experience of life and living and whether that comes through in the form of this kid mermaid or in the form of a toy, right? Like even with Toy Story and Toy Story 4, there's a lot of self-reflection in Toy Story 4 about what it about existing and what it means to exist in life and what what your purpose is supposed to be. And I think that those are are much more important stories to tell than this thing got lost and I need to return it and I need to put that thing safety ahead of mine. And that's admirable and we love it out, out of a hero's journey. We love it out of, out of a hero to to deflect that selfishness and and put that energy towards the well-being of those around him. But Luca's journey is not only relatable, it's not only admirable, but it's it's completely uh, what you would hope that you would do in that situation. And you can pull a lot of those experiences and apply them directly to yourself, as you were mentioning last episode, Chris. Uh, and so I think that Luca, as much as I, as much as I hate those little kids, and I can't stand little kids, I've got I've got little kid Luca in the finals here. Uh, Chelsea, did we make the right decision? I mean, I do love Kitty, but. Ultimately, yes, I would put Luca um, into the finals. Um, I really do appreciate the, I think the quest for self-reflection as a hero is is really, really challenging. Um, so while some of the other movies of, like you said, like getting, you know, putting something, whatever it is, a person or a thing back and, and, and leveling safety of others over your own is very heroic, but like Luca represents more of that, self heroism and like trying to um figure out who you are and and what your purpose is and like that is a really really challenging um uh quest to go on so i would definitely have luca going into the finals i have no idea now what to do because (laughs) there are like there are so many arguments for both of these uh in the final and guess what? I do. It's number 15, Luca. That, that is the best <laughs> Pixar hero. Luca is exactly the, the culmination of a lot of these favorite heroes that I have on this bracket. Goes on this journey of self-realization, how they exist in the world around them, how they can help others find how they fit in the world around them, doing the right thing, doing the good thing, uh, doing the thing that is scary and and something that you may not want to do, but you know that it's for your best. Uh, going in with that blind confidence, even if there's a lot of anxiety attached to it. He is an anxious little boy and so am I. I love Luca. I think that film, uh, man, Pixar over and over again in the past three years has gotten robbed when it comes to these theatrical releases and none more so than Luca in my opinion. Uh, that film had a lot to teach us in the world. It deserved that theatrical release that it never got. And it got ended up being kind of slept on. Rave reviews. We all loved it. But it it's, it's such an important hero to me. Uh, and I think that what makes it also such a great hero is that it feels attainable. Like he's a, we're talking about a mermaid here. And yet this mermaid doesn't necessarily have superpowers. This mermaid doesn't necessarily... Uh, have experiences that maybe we wouldn't have as a kid. They're trying to win a Vespa for heaven's sake. <laughs> they're trying to. They're they're entering a 
bike race. And that is part of the drama of the story. Like it is just Luca is just someone who I I feel like every kid has been or is being and every adult can see themselves in. And I think that is such a great aspect of a Pixar hero. And I think, Chris, you brought it up. A perfect point is that the success of a character like Woody, who is this toy, is that people can find so many aspects of Woody's journey and be like, you know what? I get it. I get being the older sibling and a new sibling comes in and I'm no longer on top. I get that I have jealous reactions that sometimes are more aggressive than they need to be. And with Luca, it's like, I understand what it's like to be a human trying to exist in this world. And I love that. Luca gets the crown for me. I mean, it comes down to one word for me. And that word is fear. Some of the most impactful scenes in kind of Disney that we've talked about uh, on this podcast over the years, uh, all of the toys in Toy Story 3 going into the incinerator yeah, um, and all of the Avengers oh. getting snapped out of existence at the end <laughs> of Infinity War. Yeah. And what's the thing that makes those moments so impactful is that you see these people we, we, and toys that we've seen as heroes for so long have that look of fear in their face and it makes us go, oh no. <laughs> uh, if they're scared something terrible has happened right. uh, and so seeing Luca experience fear for most of the movie and being able to overcome that that's that's life baby oh, that's yeah. the that's the ultimate heroism um, and I love that you mentioned the Vespa and this whole thing being about that. That's so perfect. But his hero's journey takes him uh, on on so many different sort of facets. He's dealing with friends and like not really understanding the relationship that he's having with people. Is this person, do I like this person? Do I like like this person? Is this person just a friend or is this person more than a friend? Like yeah. that's stuff that we deal with every single day. Being in new places, trying new things. Uh, he's the everyday hero. Uh, he's the aspirational hero. Um, and I I'm super happy to agree with you, Kyle, and, oh. and crown the 15 seed Luca the best oh. Pixar hero. We did oh. it. We committed oh. a robbery. There it is. Incredible. <laughs> and as we do at the end of every bracket, we are going to clap it out for the best Pixar hero, Luca. All right, Charles, give it to us. What was that going to be the choice? Were you going to lean incredible? What, what do you have? So I was really leaning towards Mrs. Incredible. And then, Chris, honestly, your your commentary just put a different perspective and actually pushed me completely in the opposite direction. Oh, baby. Um, I <laughs> really, literally, I <laughs> really resonated with the, with your comments on fear and how I do think as I was like, oh, damn, you're right. I believe that too, in the sense that a hero, while yes, it, it is nice to have a hero that is um, not fearful and confident and can go in and save the day, the true hero, I think, is someone that can overcome, that doesn't ignore the fear and doesn't doesn't say that they're not um, um, uh, insecure. They recognize yeah. all of those and then use those, like, how can I overcome this? Um, because it relates so much to human life. Like, we all have to come over, like, face those insecurities. And then one thing that I hadn't commented on before, what I really appreciate of the movie and like of Luca's character is that 
So while, yes, he does defy his parents by like, they know that he knows that they think it's not safe and that he shouldn't be journeying out, but it's not like your traditional, um, uh, character, Disney character where it's like, I'm doing what I want. And like, Oh, whatever. Like, it's not out of anger. Like you can see the anguish in him where he's like, I don't, I understand why my parents feel this way. And I, and I don't want to disappoint them, but like, it's almost like, but I have to do this. Like, can you, can you respect the fact that I have to do this? I can't spend another summer with uncle Ugo. (laughs) Yeah. And and also that like the the level of encouragement that kind of comes from the the, the older the grandparents that um, sure it's like it's it's I mean that that is very relatable or it can be really relatable to a lot of our lives. So um, I am ultimately I I was swayed I was swayed right over into Luca as the champ and I I believe it. Uh, we didn't even we didn't even talk about Silenzio Bruno. No, uh, we did. And, and how <laughs> how Disney just suddenly came after people named Bruno in like a year. They were like, not only do we yeah. not talk about him, but he does not speak either. Yeah. <laughs> we're silencing yeah. him at the same time. Oh goodness! Well, we've done it. We've crowned a Pixar hero. We've crowned a Disney hero. Uh, this is I love these conversations. I love finding the relatability in these characters that we love. And we love having Chels back on the podcast as well. Chels, thank you for spending some time with us, sharing your insight, talking heroes. It's good to have you back and we can't wait to have you back again sometime soon. Yes, please. I I love these conversations. It's so much fun. All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. You got something to say about these heroes. Did we forget a hero? Did we get something wrong? We didn't even talk about Frozone this week. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Discord, and Twitter. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and join us at the $5 level by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang, where you have access to things like two bonus episodes a month, the right to vote on bracket topics, the occasional Disney vlog, mm. and of course, the invite to our seasonal Disney trivia event mm. spring version coming, coming soon. Coming soon. Folks, until next time, to infinity and beyond. <laughs> <laughs>